This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Nick and Joe with you to talk expensive green fees, the perfect practice area, Tiger and JT upsetting St. Andrews. But- Nick? Are you prepared for all that? We're, you sound confused already. Justin Timberlake. I mean, I think JT on a golf podcast, the 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 audience assumes we're talking about Justin Thomas, especially well, since not he's the, best friends not, with Tiger Woods, as we all know. Not anymore. Now we know it's Justin Timberlake, those two godless heathens trying to ruin the quaint, beautiful nature of St. Andrews, Scotland. Before we get to any of it, please rate and review the podcast. Give us five stars. Let us know what you think about Justin Timberlake. Is he just really the product of good producing and isn't that talented of an artist? Or do you love his stuff? Let us know and give us five stars on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Nick, it is time for the Handicap Report. It's brought to you by Piper Golf. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout for 10% off everything at piper.golf. Do you want to have the tea? Do you want to you hit first? Show me the way. Sure. Uh, my handicap remains unchanged at uh, at twenty three point three. I've got like I've got like four or five more rounds of of like free coasting. Careful, I can't, I can't do any damage. The last two rounds I've played have all have both been like I needed to shoot. This is, this is so pathetic. Oh no! I needed to shoot ninety seven from the from the blues at Country View to like move it down like I don't know a tenth of a of a of a point, and I, and I shot ninety eight, and then the, oh. then I moved up to the whites. I needed to shoot 92 to move it down, like potentially one tenth of a, of a stroke, and I shot 93. Oh. Um, so, you know, I, I will say, um, shooting 93 was a lot more fun than than shooting 98, even though the differential was essentially sure. the same. Play it forward. Yeah, I just, I just, um, yeah. So that's that's my handicap report. We're looking forward to 2024 at this point. Sure. I mean, you only have, what, a couple more weeks and your posting season is over? Yeah, November 15th, and uh, this week is a is a bye week. Oh, sure. What do you – just too many uh, – well, Halloween weekend, I'm sure. Gra- grandmother-in-law, and... Grandmother-in-law's 90th birthday celebration. So oh. that, trumps, that trumps Nick's 90th round in the 90s <laughs> this year. <laughs> Uh, my handicap went up again, unfortunately. Um, not, you know, look, I'm still a single digit handicap. I don't really think I'm threatening double digits as long as I don't play a lot between now and the end of November. <laughs> um, I was in Raleigh to hang out with my brother and his family, and we snuck in a round of golf where I uh, struck the ball quite well, hit nine fairways, nine greens. Unfortunately, Ooh. we had 40 putts, and that led to an 89. Um, one of those weird rounds where <laughs> I didn't putt that bad, really. So I promise. Bad. <laughs> I had a lot of birdie putts that burned the edge, but then went by like four or five feet and missed most of them coming back. So we're up to an 8.5 um, playing a tournament this weekend that has an insane format. It's one of those greenskeeper revenge tournaments mm. where every position pin position is the hardest it could possibly be on the green. So can't imagine my handicap is going to go down after that experience, but, but you can't, you can't post that round. Why? That's that's gotta fall under the criteria of, of rounds under tournaments with specific criteria that that basically bar it from being posted to your handicap. Well, I mean, I'm that's gonna sandbaggers. It. It's a sandbaggers paradise. You're gonna you're gonna <laughs> post it. Okay, 
I mean, I guess well, everybody else posts it and you get like a, a score differential, but that's not going to happen. That's my thinking. Zero, no, it's zero, zero chance that happens. Well, I do have evidence that it's not going to happen. As last year I played in this tournament, did post the round, and I, I, I like gutted out an 81, and I'm like, oh, with the player's course correction, we're going to be in good shape. And of course, no one did a player's course correction in it. I think just evened out. It's a hard goal. I would, I would actually ask you this, because I want to follow mm. up on this. Okay. Take the temperature of the tournament and see how many people – are either a plan on posting it before the round or, or be like after the round say that they're going to post or like actually post. I, I would be very surprised. Maybe it's even a good Twitter poll. Like, do you post the round from this kind of tournament? I would, I would think it's an easy no, but I guess maybe it's really, not. yeah, I would think it's an easy no, but I mean, I let's it's see the opposite. Think. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> be a real friggin' nerd walking around the range. Hey, you guys going to post this one? What do you think? <laughs> Go I'm on, Joe. That, that, that'd be far from the nerdiest thing, the nerdiest golf thing you've done. It's <laughs> a very good Sometimes point. they cut the holes in, like, I mean, not to get, like, too Nick Rulesy on you, but, like, you know, there, there are certain parameters for which they have to cut the holes in the green. And right. sometimes they cut them, like, right, like, a foot from the fringe, like, clearly an illegal hole location. Like, th- things like that. Um, and just generally speaking, I don't know. I I, I would be curious to see. Maybe it's better for Twitter than, than the driving range <laughs> of the tournament. But I'd be curious to see what people have to say about that. Well, I'll tell you what. Well, next week's handicap report, we will we will break down what happened, why I posted an 88 and how it affected my handicap. Does that sound about right? Sure. <laughs> okay, great. Um before we get to our main topic today, did you see the viral Twitter post? Instagram yeah. post. Yeah. Yes. Um folks, if you are considering a fall winter trip to The panhandle of Florida, close to the panhandle of Florida, Jacksonville. I don't think Jacksonville is in the panhandle. How's your Florida geography? It's it's exactly what it needs to be, which is zero. Well, I thought Georgia was not on the Atlantic coast, as we proved earlier this year on the podcast. I know know Miami's at the bottom, Orlando's in the middle, and uh, Jacksonville's at the top. Okay, yeah. Well. That's besides Pona Vedra Beach near Jacksonville. That that <laughs> that is the question. I don't have the answer. I to. think so. I think so. So we're going to the site of the Players Championship, and if you're thinking, boy, it'd be fun to play that venue, you'd probably be right. But you have to do it for the cool price of nine hundred dollars walking. That's not even with a cart. Nine hundred dollars. Now we always do the what is the most you've ever paid for a round of golf in our turn ten segment. No one's come close to nine bills. This is way outside of my price range, Dick. I, I I wouldn't even consider this. As a matter of fact, if you slashed it in half, I still probably wouldn't be interested. No, I, I wouldn't either. And there's part of me that's like, this is, to, I mean, like almost offended by this. It's like, right. Come on, How dumb are, are we? But I was a, like, I did some sport management business classes in college. And, and one thing that stuck with me, like maybe the one thing I took away from college is uh, in reference, to, like the Green Bay Packers season ticket list and like the wait list is like generations long. Yeah. And the point was like the ideal number of your wait list is zero, like charge the maximum you can, amount that you can get that many people to pay. Like if they're filling up every tea time, why have a wait list and charge half as much when you can charge double the price, still book the same number of tea times. And just the people who don't want to spend that much, you know, they don't get to play. It's now more exclusive. Um, so from a business standpoint, sure. Like if you're, if you're, if you're TPC Sawgrass and you just need the loot, um, this, <laughs> this is the move, but need um, is probably it, the wrong it's, word. it's offensive. And it makes me, it just makes me, puts me further into the bucket of like, give me a, a $36 twilight round with my bros and a bucket of beer. than like, uh, 
hitting 18 balls into the water at TPC Sawgrass for $900. Well, I think you make a good point in that the people who are um, legitimately outraged or feigning outrage are probably not in the demographic of those that would be going to TPC Sawgrass and booking a tee time for $500, $600, $700, $900. So it probably doesn't make a difference. And you're right. They're charging this because they can. It's not as though they're charging this and everyone's going to be outraged and they're going to say, oh, guys, we were so wrong about this. We're going to back it down to $75. This is what they're going to charge. And guess what? We're probably having the same conversation next year and it's probably going to be $1,000 and then $1,100 and 1200 This is how this goes. Pebble Beach charges a ridiculous amount of money to play that golf course. Because they can. And I think that's what it comes down to is if you want the experience and you can, you know, withstand a $900 greens fee and it doesn't bother you, then go with God. But sure as hell bothers me. I I, I wouldn't enjoy it. No, not at all. So, okay. So, there's, so there's more courses that, that we uh, w- would like to go play than TPC Sawgrass. The course I played in Raleigh, I'm going to do a 30-second review of it. Nick, this would be one of the nicest courses in the entire Portland metro area, maybe even the nicest. I played it on a Friday at, what was it, uh, like 11 a.m. So a peak weekend rate. It was 70 degrees, beautiful day, with a cart, $65. That's great. Unbelievable. Yeah, it, it, awesome. it was great. What, what was the name of it? River Ridge. Okay. River Ridge. Yeah. That's good. That well, Wait, the, it, it feels like yeah. you have a follow up there that you're not. I do. Well, say to a if anybody, if anybody um, listens to the Chasing Scratch podcast, uh, one of the one of the gentlemen who hosts that podcast mm. is uh, from the Raleigh area, and River Ridge is one of one of the courses they talk about all the time on that on that podcast. So, is that right? Yeah. Well. I hit a lot of fairways, so I don't know what that says about that golf course because I usually don't do that. But yeah, the <laughs> the greens were challenging. It was it was spectacular. I I pay 150 to play that course in a heartbeat. It's 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 great, cool. Okay, no free ads. Um, moving on to the next topic. No free ads it, for I wouldn't say that a rival podcast. That's probably probably giving us too much. That credit. is a compliment to us if we're a rival of their podcast. Um, let's move on to something that has been kicking around my brain for a long time because. The driving range at my um, on-again, off-again home course, Glendivere, is horrible. And I always am drained of confidence whenever I go there. Um, The balls are in bad shape. The mats are in bad shape. There's not really a a tee size that I like. Everything about it is just bad vibes, right? And then my course that I'm having a fling with this year, Stone Creek, their driving range is beautiful. Great lush grass, a just a wide open area, a beautiful fairway bunker to hit out of, a chipping area, and an enormous putting green. Basically, all you could ask for. And it, and it got me thinking, like, what are the things that you want? You know, we built a perfect playing partner this year. Um, and very very popular episode, Nick. I don't know if you saw the numbers, but it's one of our most popular episodes to date. So we're going to build a perfect practice range, perfect practice area. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I, I can't wait to do this. Okay. Do you wanna do you wanna go first? Do you wanna ping pong? How do you wanna do this, buddy? Let's just let's just kind of go. Let's um, just rip. We'll just let's just have a conversation about the perfect practice area. Number one, the thing that that I loathe when I go to a golf course is the sign next to the putting green that says no chipping. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this. Why? So infuriating. Why? Why can't we chip? Nobody's putting like 
ball marks into a green from two yards away from the fringe. Like, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. And it's and also like, if you're getting ready for a round of golf, like say you left yourself, you're, you're checked in, you got your shoes on, your clubs are loaded up, you've got 20, 15, 20 minutes to like do your stuff before you get onto the first tee, you're going to need to hit some chips. Like you don't want to be like seven yards off the first green and be like, well, I really practiced my putting stroke when I haven't hit a single chip today because that damn putting green, like it doesn't make any sense. Chipping might be the single most important stroke you can make before your round if you are limited in time. I would rather hit like six chips and a few pitches than I would a couple of putts because A, I get some response off of the club face to let me know like, okay, I can still make contact with a golf ball or like, oh my God, I need to like focus and actually hit one good chip to at least have some sort of response from the club before I can actually go to the tee. And you're right. The notion that someone is going to take like a significant divot out of the ground when making a chip stroke is insane. Don't let that person on a golf course. Like why, why are they here? If someone is taking like a big flop shot or like trying to take a divot close to the green, then that person is going to destroy the golf course. And our concern should not be the practice area. It should be, why is this person out here to begin with? The no chipping sign doesn't make any sense to me. And I'll take it one step further. If you have a green that is dedicated just to chipping, why can't we maintain, and this is more challenging, why can't we do a better job of maintaining the grass on a chipping green? Because there are dedicated chipping areas. You know what? Sometimes I want to like try to knock in that two and a half foot or four footer to give me a little confidence. I know that's asking a lot, but I would I would like to have it reciprocated, right? The putting green you can chip, the chipping green you can putt. It, it's not too much to ask for because those two things are they're not even closely related. They're like Art and parcel. in the same. Yeah, yes, it's it's the salt and pepper. Like you, how do you decide if a chip was good or not? Well, did you make the putt? <laughs> that's right, exactly. I mean, that's really the only barometer that matters at the end of the day. That's right. Guess what? I stubbed a chip and I just got it like two feet onto the green, but I made a thirty footer. Hey, it's an up and down. It is. It's an up and down. I'm 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 glad that was the first one because that that was a very important one to me. Now, this one I I. I I don't know if I've verbalized it to anyone before, and I don't know if anyone else experiences this, but the size of a rubber tee, I find that it is so rare that I find a tee that is the right size, a rubber tee that is the right size for a driver, a long iron, a fairway wood. All of them are wrong. They're all too small or too high. And I don't know if this is a me problem or if the different marks, like I think they're built in quarter inches. And maybe that's not the right variance between <laughs> rubber tees. is a lot when, and when you're talking about like yes, tea height. <laughs> truly. And so I usually have a driver tee that's too high, uh, a fairway wood tee that's too low, and a, and a long iron tee that's too high. And I just kind of like adjust my swing. <laughs> that's probably not the best way to practice, probably is the it? worst thing to do before you're out. Yeah. Do you, do you struggle with this also? Uh, I've struggled with this zero um, because <laughs> of the fact that uh, these types of hitting facilities are not something that I frequent. So if I do, if I do hit any balls before round of golf, which I haven't done in, in months, um, it is, it is from like a patch of, of just like shitty grass behind the putting green into, into a woods. So into some woods, uh, that <laughs> separate the golf course from a, sh a shooting range, um, at country. View. And I, ha I haven't done that in a while. Gosh, I probably should. I, I my, right. <laughs> this is, this is tied to the topic. Because I don't put enough practice in or warm up before my rounds, but my last three or four rounds, like I've started triple, double, triple, 
and then gone on a streak of like nine straight. Like I, I did that and then made five straight pars the other day. And it's like, and like the other day, same thing. And it's like, if I just showed up to the first tee ready to play, like maybe I could shoot a decent score, but like a good practice facility would, would go a long way. Like, like hitting balls into the woods adjacent to the shooting range is, probably, is not getting ready to be, getting me ready to, uh, to play around a golf. Doesn't really help. No, it doesn't help. There's, there's a, f- <laughs> there's a few driving ranges out here where you land in either water or artificial turf. And I think that is, it's not ideal. It's not like a huge make or break thing, but not understanding how the ball responds when it hits the ground is a big component of golf. Like I have to know what it's actually doing Um, and not getting that response is not ideal. Again, we're building an ideal practice area and that's not ideal to me. Have you ever done one of those floating ball driving ranges? I haven't. Um, I definitely, they're fine. They're kind of, I definitely see what you're saying that like, you want to really know what it's going to do. I think for me, a practice area, it depends on if we're talking about a warm up before a round or practice, like, like I'm, I'm here just to practice for an hour and, and work on something. But if I'm warming up before a round, all I really want to know is where the, where the center of the club face is and like what my swing is doing and, and what I need to do to, to hit it. Okay. Yeah. So I don't really care what the ball is doing when it lands. I mean, like, look, when you, when you're just, when you're just trying to shoot a score that will lower a 23 <laughs> handicap, what the ball does when it hits the ground is, is not even a, a consideration. I tend to bend the ball. Right. Pretty, pretty, pretty severe motion in my ball flight usually. And when I am confined to a, like a, like, like, okay, perfect example. When you see Instagram videos of driving ranges from Japan or Korea, golf crazy nations where they have very urban driving ranges. They have like often very narrow, like double, triple decker driving ranges. Uh, That's my worst nightmare. If I can't be directly in the middle because I want to try to curve the ball left to right, curve the ball right to left, and, 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 and try different things, especially when I'm practicing. The straight ball is not my specialty, so daddy needs some space to move the ball. And so if I have a very narrow driving range, that doesn't work well for me. What do you think? Uh, no, I agree with this one. Space, like, in all dimensions. You need, you need space, you need width, you need depth. Our favorite golf course, U of I golf course, oh. irons only because it's like 210 yards long, which is which sucks too because you go and your first like six holes, like there's like three par fives in the first seven holes. You really want to get some yeah. driver rips out there. Um, you also need like space from the people around you. There's nothing worse than well, you especially. a packed driving range. Like yeah. that. How do you how do you focus? Like how do you get any better at the game of golf when there's like people like two feet on every side of you. <laughs> well, for me, look, this, this is, this is a left-handers thing. I think predominantly because you actually have to worry about your safety and the safety of your equipment. I actually don't mind. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty locked in on what I'm doing. I, I don't really give a shit what people are doing around me on the driving range, but as a lefty, like I saw a video the other day of some lefty taking his club back and a righty taking his club back and his driver shaft just snapped in half. And he's like, what the hell do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I deal with every day. <laughs> Stuff of nightmares. Um, let's see. Oh, this is a good one that you put the cost of range balls. Oh my God. Range balls. Apparently they're getting out of hand. Again, I haven't, I haven't like, <laughs> literally in the last, <laughs> the last time you practiced three it? or four years. 
I, I've like gone to a driving range and like mm-hmm. purchased a bucket of balls one time. Um, but I do see all over social media like fifteen dollars for a large bucket of balls. Like, Whoa. is that what is that what people are paying? What, what are you paying? It's not these what days? I pay. No, I don't buy a large bucket because my body can't handle it. But I usually buy a medium, and it's like I don't know seven. It, 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 I I don't think it's too crazy. Yeah, is it more than I paid ten years ago? Of course, but I don't think it's gotten like okay too out of control. But I'm not buying balls at uh, TPC Sawgrass, so maybe it's no. like thirty five dollars there. Well, for nine hundred bucks, it better be free. <laughs> well, the cart's not included. Maybe the balls aren't. Oh my god. Um, the other thing that I think is important, and it kind of goes back to like how the ball lands, but I actually think this is important: is it should be relatively flat. Like if you're hitting balls into like a huge uphill or a huge downhill, yeah. Because you put targets on here, and you need to know like if I'm trying to hit a hundred and twenty-five yard shot. Like, if it's going 150, that's a problem. And if it's going 100, that's a problem. And if, if there's an extreme slope one way or the other, you're really not going to be able to tell how far it's going. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I, I I don't necessarily need much beyond, like, 150. Like, maybe a 175 is good just to 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 check out some, you know, mid-irons. But, like, I want, like, five different targets inside of 100 yards. Like, give me, like, a 30, a 60, a 75, an 80, a 90, and a 115. Like, give me – because that's that's what I really have to understand, right, is what's going on with my wedges. But you're right about the 125, too. That's an important length. And if you have um, a driving range, which is not flat, which is Glendivere also. I'm killing their driving range today. You're, 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 you're sort of hitting down, and, and, and then it sort of flattens out after a little bit of a downslope. So – it is important because you need that feedback. But, you know, by the same token, Nick, sometimes range balls are so crappy that you can't really get, like, good feedback off of that, right? Like, if you normally hit your 8-iron, let's just say 160, and you're hitting it, like, 145 consistently with the range balls, you can say, okay, well, that's probably not me. It's probably the equipment that I'm using right now. Yeah, range balls will definitely take some distance off of every shot. But at least having, I don't know, it seems like having a flat range is is, is pretty helpful. Um, like putting greens specifically, it needs to be consistent with the rest of the greens on the course. Like if, if the speed is, is way different or if like they cut, if they, if they mowed that day, the 18 greens, mow the practice green, like you need to actually calibrate what you're getting yourself into. There's nothing worse than like hitting it great on the practice screen and then like blowing your first putt like 10 feet past because like the greens in the course are like three feet faster on the stem. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm smiling and laughing because I do. I, 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 first of all, I agree. I do think that is one of the most common things that people, um, right or wrongly true or false cite as a reason for poor putting, right? Like your buddy who's maybe not that good of a putter <laughs> He leaves like the first five short or blows the first five by and it's like, oh, the, the putting green wasn't like this by the, by the, by the clubhouse. And it's like, no, that's, you're just not a good putter, dude. So I, I, I do feel like it's a great alibi, but I, I agree. It is, it is, it is frustrating, but also, you know, by about the second or third hole, you should probably have a decent idea of what's going on out there. But by and large, I agree. We're building a perfect practice area. Right. Um, I think that's really all I had. Um, just just those seven things, and I'll just have those. a perfect. Well, I've a perfect got one area. more. Okay, and this great. is something that when I'm in the midst of making a triple bogey for the seventh straight week in a row on the first <laughs> hole, uh, I think about all the time. In uh-huh. um, one day this summer, Brian Romy sent us a uh, a Brand message, something in in our in our uh, group chat, 
mm-hmm. it was a golf course with like basically a, a, a zero with hole, which was like a practice hole that you tee off on like a regular golf hole, but it doesn't count on the scorecard. And you just play that before your actual hole. And like that, I would take seven days a week over just like a, a, a standard practice area because you sure. can hit like hit a driver or two, you know, say you have like 15 minutes to play this hole. So you can hit a few shots on each hole, like hit a few different clubs, hit a few different shots into the green. Maybe it's like 325 yards, a couple chips, a couple pitches, a couple putts, and then boom, you're right in the first tee. I think that would be incredible. Um, You would have the opportunity to try a variety of shots. You would have the opportunity to like get your way into the round. The only thing that I worry about is like, and, and, and maybe Romy explained this and I just missed it, but like, does the starter send you off on hole zero and then you're just like into the golf round or is like hole zero optional and then you start on one? Because I would almost think you would have to have some sort of martial or organization on hole zero to send you off on your way. Otherwise, someone's just going to like drop five balls in the fairway and just start taking their time and then it's going to really stack things up. It's got to be part yeah, of the round, there, right? There's got to be, there's got to be like, hey, if you're going to play hole zero, you, you, You've got 12 minutes before your tea time and you still need to make your tea. Like, like right. say your tea time is, is noon. Like, okay, at 1148, you can, you can start using this hole and you still need to be on the first tee at noon and who cares what you do between now and then. I don't know. There would have to be, I don't know the logistics behind it, but you'd have to have like some sort of time limit. I guess it would have to be staggered with the tea time starts because if you have 15 minutes of the practice hole and tea times are every eight minutes, that's not going to add up. So I don't know how you do it, but uh, I, I love that idea for getting into a round because it's no matter how many balls you hit on the driving range, like being on a golf hole is the only way to get into your round of golf, at least for me. Um, so I'd rather, I'd rather do that, hit some shots where I feel like it it's for keeps, but it's really not. And then start my round. I completely agree. There's nothing better than a first hole and a real round of golf where it's wide open. Um, it's such a relief. It's such a relief to just be able to hit the ball anywhere on the first hole and be like, well, I'm, I'm going to be fine. I, I can really get into the round that way. Um, yeah, um, this tournament I'm playing this weekend, there's some, there's some scary holes. It's a shotgun, and there's some, there's some terrifying holes you can start on, and I'm just bracing myself that I don't start on one of those and <laughs> hang a cool 11 on the board to start the day. You know, but, but maybe starting on a more difficult hole would be better because oh, what if, what if like you, you're starting on a wide open hole? Because, like, I, I, I think I document, I think I mentioned this, I, I repeatedly making, like, double and triple bogey in my first hole sure. uh, like for the last, like, six weeks. <laughs> but they're easy holes. And I think I walk up to it, like, no matter what you do on this shot, like, you can't I can hit it yourself. anywhere. I yeah. can hit it anywhere. And, and then, then I do. I just, then I do. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I can still make a power bogey. And then I hit another awful shot. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's just like, holy shit. But if you walk to the first tee and you're like, I have got to hit a good shot right now. Maybe that would be a better way to start your round. I don't know. Well, when you do execute a very difficult shot to start your round, it does really jack you up like, oh, let's go, baby. Let's go. And even if you hit a bad one, it's like, all right, it's fine. Let's just make a double and get onto the next hole. Let's not do anything crazy here. Who knows? We'll see. Want to recap the list? Let's recap the list. So these are the things that makes a perfect warm-up practice area for me and Nick. Space. Varied rubber tea length. That's funny. Varied rubber tea length. Decent mats, which I failed to mention. It's good to have nice mats to hit off of. Grass to land on so you can see how the ball responds. Of a rare, a, 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 a variety of targets. 
Agreeing for chipping and putting. Is this our number one? I think this may be our number one. Yes. Agreeing for chipping and putting. Uh, uh, consistency with the course on the green speeds, the characteristics, just have it be the same. Affordable range balls, depth for every club in the bag, and if we're so inclined, a whole zero to warm up with. That's not asking for much, is it? Yeah. Hey, if we're if we're drawing up the the ideal, that is my ideal. I think we've done it. Let's quickly move on to Tiger Woods and JT, the other JT. I wasn't aware of this or the lead up to it. So if you weren't aware, just a month ago, Tiger Woods and Justin Timberlake opened a dining and entertainment experience in Manhattan. It's called T-Squared. My God. Oh, it's worse. It's called T-Squared Social. Uh, It's open to positive reviews, allegedly a good deal of excitement. And they said, hey, if it's going to work in Manhattan, it's going to work in St. Andrews, Scotland, right? right? Wrong. Those two are pretty much the same. Pretty much the same thing. So what they're trying to do is transform the Scottish 1930s new picture house into one of these things. So basically, they're taking the one cinema in St. Andrews, which is still standing. It's not like an active cinema, but it's one of those like quasi, I mean, everything's historical in St. Andrews, right? It's all so old. They're trying to turn this thing into one of these gastropubs, which I can assume is is is, is going to serve food like tantamount with Hooters. Uh, so a campaign not to allow Woods and Timberlake to, quote, strip away a vital part of our town's identity and history has been organized by University of St. Andrews student and president of the St. Andrews Film Society, Ash Johan Curry Machado, and already has 9,000 signatures to block their efforts. Nick, do you come down on the side of history or new tackiness? Yeah, history. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll sign that position. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. sign that, peti- that petition. Yeah. Um, what is what is going on with Tiger Woods money these days? Like the, I don't the know. TGL, like what are, who is deciding what he invests in? Like, I can't imagine Tiger goes to bed at night and he's like, man, I really want to open a new gastropub in five. Like, like, that's not I what know. motivates you. What are you doing, Tiger? Like, come on, man. Tiger has to stay playing professional golf because all the ancillary things that he does just seem to be very, very bizarre. I don't know if you saw the video of him playing at Pebble Beach he just went out and looked like as a single and played with a bunch of random guys. And he was wearing like Under Armour camo and like shorts, but like with leggings, like basically basketball shorts with leggings. He he looked like uh, a dot-com billionaire who didn't know what to do with his money. And maybe that's a pretty good like corollary for what Tiger Woods is. A guy with a lot of money and time on his hands. Yeah, I mean... The mini golf thing. I don't know. We, we, we could have a whole, we could have a whole episode on like Tiger's ridiculous business ventures. And this that is would be, that would be a really good episode. <laughs> Tiger's financial follies coming this December <laughs> to at the turn. Well, I'll tell you this much. If I do end up going to Scotland next year, which it looks like I will, and they open this monstrosity, I will be there to just see what it's like and to hopefully report back, but right, a scathing um, review. A sc- yes, I'll be the mad golfer of the week. And what yes. a segue into a long awaited mad golfer of the week. The aforementioned Brian Romy sent us a text, what, three weeks ago now? And he's like, I got to be the mad golfer of the week. And he's like, All right, I'm going to write this up for you, but you can't read it ahead of time. So I have an email in my inbox that I have not read from Brian Romy. Our friend, 
He's been on the show multiple times, and it's titled Mad Golfer of the Week. Nick, is there anything that you want to say before I dive into this? Mm, no, I, I could not be more ready to hear what this is all about. I'm pretty excited. First of all, I'm excited to see how long it is. Let's see. Oh, it's not too bad. Oh, never. Oh, my God. Okay. Oof. Okay. Buckle up. It is actually quite long. From Brian Romy, quote, course needs help. This needs the whole story. A review doesn't do it justice. Wandemir, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I have played you once before, but the amount of goo shit that has all over you is kind of a deterrent. I drive up and I don't see that many geese. <laughs> this is already looking more promising the last time I played. I have hope. While checking in, the young lady didn't let me pay and grab a cart before leaving for 10 minutes. Apparently, the building has no running water and they have to walk two buildings over just to use bathroom. I get that sucks. Quote, for fuck's sake, just let me know you will be with me in a minute. Not just sit with my credit card in hand like a putz. Finally, I get cart slash pay. The cart I am assigned is wrapped to death with a security cable and completely covered with water and some leaves. I asked to borrow a towel to wipe it down. My clubs are in the car, or I would done, or I would have done it myself. Not a big deal, but pretty sure I could have a better option for cart! Exclamation point. We finally get to the T and they're behind a few times. Why? Because everybody would rather play twosomes than pair up. Not only play twosomes, but why the hell not two balls in every shot? Breakfast balls the norm for every person teeing off. Our fourth man who was added to our group without direction from Pro Shop. Three holes into the round, group in front apologizes before hacking it up. I couldn't hold my tongue. Quote, that's fine, but you don't have to wait until the green is clear to tee off. My buddy laughs. Later to realize, not wanting just a fourth tee shot each, my mistake. I figured when you have your own cart, you kind of know what you're doing wrong. I was wrong. This is, I'm, I'm going to pause right there. This is riddled with exclamation points. Riddled <laughs> with exclamation points. He's so mad. Okay, we're getting towards the end, I promise. New guy asks, should we try to play through? I respond, hell no. I don't want to be in front of them. This shit show goes on for a few other holes. I was almost hit on the first six holes three times. Our round guest takes a ball to front of cart after using the restroom on number seven. No warning. Seventh hole. My buddy tries to call front desk for martial help. No luck. Poor girl probably walking half a block to, to her desk from restroom. <laughs> Another ball near us. Different group. No fours yelled. Just multiple group dipshits running around oblivious to fellow players. At this point, just pointing to balls they hit near us. Not a word is said. Front nine is done. Okay, we're only at the turn, folks. Whew. Do I call it a day or play on? Nick, do we call it or play on? We got to keep I'm going, right? Yeah, okay. We're here. We've already put our golf shoes on. <laughs> Just chipped it on nine. So I have to see how round plays <laughs> out. There it is. Romy, you did it. That's the cardinal sin of Mad Golfer of the Week is saying you're playing well. Okay, so he said just chipped it on nine. So I have to see how round plays out. I should have left. Guys, we are playing after ninth hole says... I'm so lost on buying drinks. We didn't have a game going, so he's just being nice. Sure, I will take a drink if you're offering. Also offers me a dip. No thanks! <laughs> Bar okay, Romy. <laughs> but bartender was rough older woman who must have been speaking pirate because I could only get every other word. She pours our drinks. Wow, was oh the God. drink strong. <laughs> I like rough older woman. <laughs> That's 
That's so right. nice daughter. <laughs> I myself ruffled her woman. So goddamn funny. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get through this. Why was the drink, why was the drink strong? I like a strong drink like the next guy, but not trying to set something on fire. At least they have running water at this building. New guy says, want to take a shot? At this point, I figure at least if it gets involved. We slam them back. All right, we're on 13. We're getting there. We now get to 13. It is now backed up. Three groups in the bar three. Second trip back to bar next to the 13th tee. Probably a mistake. Pirate lady says, welcome back. Oh, when this round can't get any worse, new guy is a different person. Not even kidding. Direct quote from new guy. Quote. I was trying I was trying to spice up our love life and accidentally sent a drunken dick pic to wife's sister. So I've been on the couch for eight months. <laughs> <laughs> must have been oh must have God. been the shop. I feel like Geraldo hearing about his marital issues. He gets oh called on fifteenth hole. Wife is put Okay, wait. <laughs> right. Wait a minute. I'm almost done. Let me get through it. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get a drink of water real quick. Sorry. Okay. He gets called on the 15th hole. Wife is putting his stuff on porch. He tells, he tells us she's done it We've before. We've all got that call on the first 15th hole before. <laughs> she's done it before when she gets mad, he says. WTF, what? all I can think is, dude, go the fuck home. Golf can probably wait for you, my friend. <laughs> No, we're, we're, we're rounding down, okay. winding down. I would have gladly taken goose shit over what happened today. Round ends. Later, fellas. Good luck, new guy. Spokane, you don't disappoint in how trashy you can be sometimes. I've never wanted to join a semi-private slash private more than after this round. Do not take loved ones to this course. They may be killed. One star. Wow. Uh, okay, I got a few things. Yeah, where do you, where my, do you my, begin? My, my first thing is I hope the wife is like, I, I've known families who's like, they've got two daughters and it's Tanya and Tanaya, you know, or right. <laughs> like, how do you accidentally send that picture to your sister-in-law? Um, that like, that takes a special kind. Um, Here's my hot take. Like, it wasn't I, an accident. I, exactly. Exactly. Um, I just this this review makes me want to play this course so bad. Yeah, I actually want to check it out too. Can I can I go back to to our favorite sentence? Bartender was rough, older woman it must have been speaking pirate. Oh my god, rough older uh, woman. Uh, okay, would you rather pay? I don't know what does this goodness. course cost forty five dollars to play this course or nine hundred to play TPC soccer? I mean, to be honest, like Romy is quote unquote a mad golfer of the week, but. A lot of the stuff sounds pretty fun. By the time he's drinking on the back, and the guy is like fighting with his wife. He's been on the couch for eight months. Like now you're into the round. Now you're having a good time, right? Yeah, this that feels like a two star review. I'm sold. I'm sold on this course for sure. Congrats! Like, are there Brian. any hot deals coming up? For sure, this place is on golf now. <laughs> Check them on golf now. Congrats, Brian Romy. You are the mad golfer of the week. Well done, Brian. And with that. It is now time for Nick Rolls, brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout. No rough older ladies uh, <laughs> speaking pirate and Nick Rules. But we don't gonna... endorse that statement, by the way. That's just Brian Romy that said that. Yeah, that's not my, that's, that's not my words, no. I would never say that. Um, I would never. 
we're going to go back to practicing because we mm. this episode is, is all about practice. Uh, there are rules around practicing on the golf course, specifically rule 5.2, practicing on course before or between rounds. Quote, practicing on the course means playing a ball from anywhere or testing the surface of the putting green of any hole by rolling a ball or rubbing the surface. In match play, you may practice on the course before a round or between rounds. In stroke play, on the day of a stroke play competition, you must not practice on the course before a round, except that you may practice putting or chipping on or near your first teeing area and practice on any practice area. So, Joe, your Greenskeepers Revenge Tournament, don't yeah. even think about going out to the fifth hole and rolling some putts on that whole location just to see how it breaks and how fast it rolls off and how far it's going to roll off the front of the green. That would be illegal. You may practice on the course after completing play of your final round for that day. So if this is a two, if it's a two day event after day one, feel free. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty standard protocol. Match play, you can do it. Stroke play, you can't. That's it. Penalty. <laughs> that is. Uh, well, the, oh, the penalty. penalty before you before you wrap this up. Sure. First first breach. General penalty, which is two strokes, applied to your first hole. Second breach, DQ. That sounds right. God, DQ. That's uh, they love disqualifying people in golf, don't they? It's so fun. We're gonna have to at some point. Let me let me wrap this up. Well, no, I want to keep Nick rules open because it's Nick rules adjacent. At some point, we're gonna have to dig into the signing of the scorecards and why that is still a thing. Like, sure, in amateur events, I get it, but like the PGA Tour, <laughs> every shot is categorized and tracked by an extensive computer system. Why in the hell do these guys need to sign scorecards still? It doesn't make any sense to me. No, I love that. We'll uh, we'll look into it. And that is Nick rules. So. Things are winding down. We have a very exciting bit for next week um, that I thought of too late to get onto this episode. But as it turns out, the Mad Golfer of the Week really swallowed up a lot of the air of this episode. Um, wow. Brian, he delayed it a little bit. And I was thinking to myself, and maybe you thought the same thing, like, what like what could be taking so long? Why, why is he delaying just sending us this Mad Golfer of the Week? And now <laughs> I understand. Oh, uh, that goes into the annals of at the. Turn I feel history. like he even wrote it in in the voice because, like, the Mad Golfer of the Week, like, has like a collective voice, and I feel like he he nailed that. He definitely captured it, where it's like it's sort of like stilted and confused, and like the the rough older woman, and also him saying he chipped in on nine were the two highlights. Like, just yeah. so you guys know, I still had my I still had my game intact. Okay, I'm 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 a sub one now, so don't think I didn't play well. Yeah, he didn't drop his handicap in there. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> uh everybody enjoy uh enjoy your halloween enjoy going into november and look just every round is just a treasure at this point right we're not supposed to be playing golf this late in the year you know sometimes you have grandmother-in-law's 90th birthdays and so if you're able to squeeze out get nine holes just go ahead and do it and be appreciative it's appreciating golf season cheers to that I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.